Previously on Aaron Sorkin's The West Magic. The darkness was all around them. The radio could only sputter, and something awaited our heroes in the murky depths. But they conquered their fear, ish, in a basement full of horrors. Freeing a number of prisoners and with careful investigation of the surrounding passages, they made their way towards what they thought was the sea. After a harrowing fight with a giant slug, our heroes made their escape into the ocean aboard a small powerboat, piloted by Frankie Fourfingers and Bottles. They also were able to reconnect with the Aarakocra marksman Merriman, and they took some of the escapees with them. Once at sea, Frankie fired a green flare into the sky, and with a, a rumbling and the sound of metal popping, uh, a submarine surfaces next to them, bearing the flag of the Royal Kebran Navy. So the session begins with all of you still in the boat and adjacent to this submarine. Frankie also explained to you that the captain of this vessel owed him a favor. So that is where our story picks up today. During our last session, or at the end of our last session, uh, the party leveled up. So if we could all go around and kind of say what you, uh, what feats or improvements you got by hitting level 5, uh, Treble, we'll start with you. After last week's episode, Treble realized really quick that he's not very strong. Um, so he's decided to learn a little bit from Herman and has is deciding to bulk himself up a bit um, and be a better fighter. So he has actually Treble is actually multi-classed. Um, so Treble is now a, a first level fighter as well. I just hope I'm so glad he's a fighter and not a barbarian because I did not want you to be a barbarian. <laughs> oh, I almost did, but the amount of hate that I could, I could, just thinking about the amount of hate that would come from Henry is just, <laughs> it was, it was overwhelming. So I just, I was like, no, I can't. I didn't even tell him about it, but Fighter I could feel the hate coming from him. Fighter makes sense because you, you always had like a sword and stuff. So you're just like learning how to be a better sword guy. That makes sense. Exactly. If I could interject briefly here, we also did a one-shot where everybody multi-classed, or everybody played a barbarian multi-classed with something else, and one of yes. them was a barbarian. And that was me, and it was, oh, it was so good. It was so good. I'm just picturing <laughs> Treble and Herman training on the boat while they're going out, because we leveled up on the boat. So I just picture like this action montage where like I've got trouble doing squats and like shadow boxing, but we're in this tiny little boat, so we're just bumping into everybody the whole time while we're training, and everyone else is obviously super annoyed. Yeah, I'm like grabbing bags and stuff and using them, and the people are like, "Hey, I need that. That's our food." <laughs> yeah. I'm just like doing dips with it. You miss it. You miss like a punch or something, and break the the steering wheel for the boat. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so with being a fighter. I get second wind, which is um, I can basically just regain hit points once per once per short rest, and it just gives me a little. I will be switching my weapon eventually once I can get that. So I'll be switching to a rapier after I can get to one. I'm surprised you didn't have a rapier before. It was the same amount. I just a longsword did more damage, I think. So that's why I picked it. But oh uh, yeah. I mean, every time I played a bard, I started with a rapier because it is a more 
effective weapon for a bard. It is a more effective weapon. <laughs> but you're like, I want a long sword. It sounds cool. Kitty, how about you? I am still Rogan. Uh, so I, at fifth level, rogues get uncanny dodge, which means uh, I can use my reaction when I get hit with an attack to have the damage. So hopefully it will help me not get hit so much and not get hurt because she don't like getting hurt. That's it. <laughs> At some point, can we meet the king of the rogues and can we make it Joe Rogan? No. Oh, oh God. <laughs> no. Get out. <laughs> no. I will say. No. I, I, I did. Reli- no. On the subject of Joe Rogan, I did think about having there be like a radio station you guys hear with, with a similar vibe, but I, I ultimately decided not to. I think you made the wrong choice there, Henry. Don't worry, Bro Hogan will come back. Yeah. Bro Hogan. <laughs> oh. His full name is Brosif. God, my gr- my grandmother shared a link to the Joe Rogan experience the other day, and she's like 82. I'm like, come on, Sharon. Like, come, you, you don't need to do this. He's changed his demographic. That's good. Herman, what about you? So I got a little faster, and I got some hit points, and now I can attack twice per action, which is... That's dope. pretty good. That's pretty and darn good. And now you have an axe to actually attack people with. Right? <laughs> finally episode 18 or 17 i finally got an axe finally got an axe a big old axe uh and then red presumably that gave you enough yeah. time to finish yes. your leveling up yeah. so sorry i um did that while everyone was talking <laughs> uh <laughs> i gained the main things that i gained are um i got another uh, like pact ritual spell um, which is like one that I can cast without a spell slot so I got uh, mage nice. armor for that make me a little bit harder to hit because uh, I'm a squishy small little boy so I got a third level spell um, I've taken blink so I'm gonna play with some dimension hopping um, and then because I have mage armor at will now, I got rid of my blade ward cantrip and replaced it with a poison spray cantrip. So, woo for me. Magics. You all are in this boat. Uh, the submarine is surfaced next to you. It looks like there are a few people in the conning tower. And for those of you who aren't familiar with the anatomy of a submarine, the conning tower is essentially a chamber that stands out from the main cylindrical body of the sub, and it's where the periscope is housed, and usually a ladder or and hatch for uh, getting to the top of the submarine for observational purposes. That is what you see. When this submarine surfaces and kind of comes to a rest, Frankie explains to you that the captain owes him a favor and that the captain has agreed to take you to the floating city of Kwazu, which is sort of, which is roughly in between uh, the continent of Kebra and the continent of Ransheim. He also explains that this city has had a somewhat violent history of people fighting amongst themselves for control. 
so he's not really sure what kind of condition it's going to be in when you arrive there. He also tells you that the journey should take about six to seven days. You'll have plenty of time to ruminate on all of the things that you've gotten up to, or or whatever. Red can become best friends with the gnome that he snuffed. Yeah, out of I his bed. was about to ask yep. a question about that. Are the people that we saved coming with us, or going back with? So, so th- that is the question. Uh, Frankie kind of gives, well, he gives all of you plus the people that came with you a, you can either choose to go back to the mainland, in which case the boat will drop you off outside the main city in kind of a quiet, like, little oceanfront village, or you can all go on this submarine. Merriman elects to stay behind and Hattie actually elects to stay behind. Yeah, she's got to get back to her partner. We also should maybe try and give Hattie some of these things that we took from the Abbey to maybe help the doctor help yeah, Ernest while we're away. Yeah, that is also a concern. Well, yeah. Can we send? Yeah, can we send stuff? Because we don't even know what we have yet. We just. I have a bag of stuff, rings, jewelry, potions, I whatever have I can We have a bunch of, of potions that we would like to go to the doctor slash Ernest. Yeah, you can you can definitely give those to Hattie. And she will take them and put them in a satchel. If there's any like obvious health potions, <laughs> we'll keep those. But I mean anything Um else go ahead and roll a D six. Okay. Mm, that's a one. Well, that's how many uh, how many health potions you get. Um, Or I think it would be is it potion of greater healing? Um, You get one of those by virtue of it being the Abbey's secret stash. It's a little bit fancier. I'm going to hold on to this because I needed it most last time. So I'm just gonna. Then he puts it. Yeah, you used up (laughs) two of them. Wait, so that means you technically found that health potion? We're on death's door, but never drank it. Oh, that's actually. I didn't know what it (laughs) was. Yes, (laughs) that is correct. Uh, if only I could drink. We had two other health potions that I dumped into your mouth, so we used up our our regular health potions. But yeah, I still, I'll still have a bag of whatever jewelry stuff. Hopefully, yeah, we can, some we of can it's search magical our or something on the ship. And then, <laughs> as far as the prisoners, I think we would just ask them whether where they want to go, unless there are ones that like we can't bring them to consciousness. So most of the prisoners, they seem to like know at least one of the other prisoners there like they might be related to them so the bulk of the prisoners are actually all of the ones that are conscious just want to be let off at the nearest uh the nearest village if possible i mean we can send the unconscious ones with them too if they think that's yeah that that sorry i thought that was implied but yeah the unconscious ones would be Um, good too but can we talk to them on this boat real quick because I would like to find out what the fuck was going on back there. Do any of them seem particularly awake and talkative? Um, roll perception. Right. Can I roll insight? Never mind, they're the same. Oh, it's a dirty 20. Nice. There you go. Nice, nice, nice. You see a a candidate. You see a, uh, a halfling woman who seems mostly conscious. And she's tending to like a middle-aged halfling man. 
Now, because I don't remember offhand, Red, how old is your character? Like 1920. Okay. Then you would also notice that the clothes that these halflings are wearing are like, their style is pretty outdated. Interesting. I like that um, Red notices that because he's a young person and young persons think <laughs> they're like, oh man, that's something they wore in like the 70s. Oh my God. <laughs> As if Red knows things about fashion trends. I'm going to go over to there and just kind of, she's tending to someone. Yeah, she's like, she's got like, she's like holding this halfling man in her arms and like, She's got, like, a bit of cloth, and she's, like, patting it on his forehead. Okay, I'm gonna get, like, some water. I have, like, a water skin or whatever, uh, and bring it over and kind of offer it to her and be like, Hey, hey, uh, do you, do you need anything? Can I, can I help with anything over here? She, like, looks at you in kind of a, a quick jerky motion, and she looks at the water and then back at you and then... Without a word, she just grabs the water and opens it, pours some of it on the cloth, keeps dabbing at the guy's forehead, and then drinks some of it. After a couple minutes, she hands it back to you and says, in kind of hushed tones, uh, thank you. Thank you for this. Yeah, yeah, you're welcome. Uh, I, uh, I, I wish we could have got more people, but uh, I'm, I'm glad we were able to help out with at least a few of y'all. So, so are we. Um, if I could bur- could burden you with a question, my good, uh, well, whatever you are. Uh, yeah, it's, it's no worries. What, what year is it? Oh, shit. Uh, I don't know what year it is. <laughs> it's the year Seven. that you tell It's the us, year that Henry Henry's. will tell me right now. Correct. The year <laughs> the year is uh, thirty one sixteen. I tell her that. Uh, thirty one sixteen BCC, which stands for before continental collapse, or uh, pardon me, it should be ACC. I I tell her that. When you say this, her eyes go wide. She kind of looks around looks at her hands, looks at her at her partner, at this halfling, and says, Are you from the future? Uh, oh no, are, are you from the past? You might be from the past. <laughs> she asks, are you from the future? And you're like, are you from the past? It's like, that doesn't answer her question. I mean, I mean as far as I know, I'm, I'm from the now. I... I I never done any time traveling I know about. She looks visibly panicked at this point and then says, I was born in the year 712. What? What the fuck is happening? Well. This is where we edit in a bum bum bum. <laughs> or that, or that sound I'm, they use. I'm just gonna use for, yours. Uh, that sound they use for the Star Trek transporter. <laughs> or just a record scratch. Uh, I'm gonna give her a moment and and then just be like, "Do you do you have any I- idea what what might have happened?" She kind of looks around and is like, "I remember very little, but I do remember that we were farming in." 
in my village and and she kind of looks up and around and she looks over at the coastline uh that you just came from Mm -hmm. and he's like i can't i don't know where this is or where i am but uh I came from, and she names a village uh, that no longer exists uh, in the far north of the continent of Bastalone. Okay, I also came from the north, right? Kind of. You did, yeah. Okay, so I'm like, oh, well, um... Like, like this is a village that hasn't existed for probably 1,500 years or more. Yeah. I go, well, uh, we're, we're down south now, um, of the same, same continent. I, uh, I grab one of the maps that, like, uh, Kitty pulled off the walls in the office to just show her, like, so, so we're down, we're down here, but I'm, I'm from up north, too. I, I don't think your village is there, uh, in the, in the same state anymore, but, um, the land's definitely still there, you know, the sort of probably familiar plants and trees and stuff, even though maybe not so much familiar people anymore. Uh, she looks at this map and she just looks horrified and she just starts asking a torrent of questions. Like, for example, uh, where's the rest of Kebra? Oh shit. There were more mountains in the north. Uh, and and Ransheim that it was bigger. Uh that's Where's it all gone? Um uh <laughs> Kitty? Hey hey Kitty, you you read more books. Uh, 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 uh. The sunken continent did disappear sometime during or t- towards the end of like the third or fourth succession war between Kebra and Bastalone. So that one you know the answer to a little bit. A mysterious magical explosion. Um, you would know enough to sort of piece together that the part that she's referring to that's missing from Ransheim is related to that magical battle that turned part of the sea to glass. I relay all that, but with a stutter. That's, <laughs> that's, that's good. In character. in character, yes, that's perfect. Um, and I will also say, basically, the village that she named, it would be in the area of the map called the Dimwoods, which is like the, the north, north central area. Of of Bastalone, roughly. Red, you've been through the Dimwoods a number of times. You probably didn't know the name, but if you were to like look at the area on a map, you you might have been by where it used to be. Okay. This is not necessarily a question about the the ge- geography, but you mentioned the Third Succession War of Ransheim. Where is Ransheim and Bastalone? Are where are they at? in terms of conflict right now is it active conflict or is it they don't like each other it's sure so the third succession war for those who are fans of the dmmcu was fought between (laughs) i hate it i hate it too what does mcu Um, stand for in this case the dial m for magic cinematic universe okay got it the dmmcu (laughs) yeah all right checks out 
Yeah. Henry was ready for this. <laughs> I knew it was coming. I prepared. Um, uh, so the third, well, really all of the succession wars have been fought between some combination of Bastalone, Ransheim, and Kebra. Previously, Kebra was a much larger continent. So currently, it's sort of a Cold War bordering on, like, a hot conflict. If, like... There's not really much commerce between... Actually, there's no commerce between directly between Kebra and Bastalone. Lots of animosity, lots of violence. If ships from each country were to meet out in the open ocean, they would fight to the death sort of thing. Ransheim is pretty negative towards Bastalone also. While they won't overtly attack either Bastalone or Kebra, they're not friendly. But it's sort of more opportunistic. I'll, I'll hit you when your back is turned and then hide. Like, they'll never publicly admit to anything, but they're definitely not playing nice. And then Bastalone is just kind of a bully. I hope that I've conveyed at this point how much of a bully the, this government is, but if I haven't, I'll, I'll get on that. <laughs> just want to make sure, we, we should probably um, repost our world map on Twitter uh, along with this Indeed. episode. And Instagram. So, yes. And Instagram. So everybody, you can go there and find it. So I actually, I have a new version of this map. Ooh. Is I've added a little ship icon that I will update each week uh-huh. as you get closer to the floating city. Very fun. Yeah, just to give you a sense of a sense of continuity and progress. So right now, uh, you are in the Sea of Glass. Uh, you are sort of southwest of Ransheim. You are outside of New Bastalone, but out in the open water. And essentially, the succession wars were fought over, like, territorial sovereignty. Bastalone wanted a chunk of the original Kebran continent, and Kebra was opposed to this. So they had a big ol' a big ol' scrap. A Donnybrook, okay. if so- you will. Kitty has roughly explained the basics of that to this poor woman. Yes, yes. Um, and I think Red starts uh, telling her about some of the stuff up north that he grew up with, just to, like, calm her down. <laughs> to be like, yeah, yeah, I've been through uh, the area where where you used to live. You know, there's, there's still a forest there, and... He's just, like, telling her about, like, the different wildlife and stuff to try to, like, reassure her. So if she's 2,000 years old, is this submarine blowing her mind right now? Uh, yes, actually, the submarine <laughs> the submarine and the boat that you came in on are yeah. both uh, a little off-putting, to say the least. Just a little, you know. They're 1,500 years old. And, oh, yeah. Oh, my God. What is going on in that basement? (laughs) (laughs) That's it. That's the podcast. (laughs) Yeah, so I explained some stuff to her. And if if she seems to calm down from that, I'm going to see if she knows anything about the other people on the boat. Sure. So that did actually help to, to calm her down. I mean, as much as anybody who is... 2300 years outside of their timeline can be calmed down but after (laughs) after a moment though she's like uh i i I can't speak for the rest of these people i remember working our farm and then one day 
It was strange. Like, I was looking out at the woods and out of the mist, and she looks over at you, Kitty. There was a someone like you, a tabaxi, I think, except that their fur was was slate gray, like smoke gray, and they had these very pale yellowy green eyes. And then I remember everything froze around me. And then the next thing I remember I was next to I was next to Robert here and she gestures to the halfling man. And it was pitch dark and I was strapped to a table. And I was strapped to that table most of the time for I don't know how long. That that Or was it? Um, that, that's really bad. I, I'm sorry. Did, uh, did you know Robert before? Well, yes, he, he is, or he was, or is my husband. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you two have each other. Is there anything else I can do to help with, uh, his, uh, I sort of just point, like... I don't know if I can do a medicine check or anything with him. (laughs) Is there anything I can do to help with this? Since you're not really sure what was done to him, you can make a medicine check, but you'd be doing it with disadvantage. Is there any, like, like if I do a bad job, is it going to hurt him? Or can I just do sort of a... You don't know. (laughs) uh, Because I don't want to do anything to him. I just want to sort of check him out. Okay. Then, as long as you're not actually doing anything, you can make that medicine check. That's a 12. Not the best. Not the worst, though. You're not positive. You think that there's something, like, like he's got some serious trauma. Yeah. What? No, he's I, got I, serious I... trauma from being strapped to a table for a thousand-something years and experimented on by creepy religious or political organization? Uh. I know. I I was as shocked as you Bro, to hear shocked. to hear about that. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't tell like if there's something magical going on or if he's just healing from wounds or Oh, oh, well, if you want to check for that, go ahead and roll oh, okay. Arcana. I should be a little Nope, I'm worse at that. <laughs> That's a 10. Uh, you're getting a a magical vibe of some sort off of this off of this man, but you you wouldn't know specifically what it what it would be referring to, what would throw off that vibe. I uh, just just pull out my little feather and just do a little like, Sir Gerald, please uh, look over this man. Thank you. Uh, goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I should give y'all advice. Um, d- uh, if you know any magic, don't don't do any magic. Because it's illegal now. She just, like, looks absolutely shocked. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Um, may I ask, uh, who, who is the current monarch? Uh, the, the church, right? <laughs> Do we have a king? <laughs> no, you okay. don't have a king. I explained that we are living in a... Theologarchy. <laughs> Theocracy, Theocracy is the, is word. the word. Or a religious oligarchy. Yeah, we're in one of um, those, one of them situations. She just looks gobsmacked, and I, I don't, 
I, I have no words. Yeah. It's I... been it's been so long. It's been since it's been a while. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was doing it's been one week since you're looking at me. That's it's what I good. thought, yeah. Uh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I uh I don't know how much longer Robert has. So I think that if we go back to the shore, we're just going to try to make our way to where our village used to be. Yeah, yeah um, you can, uh, I give her some basic advice on, like, major roads to take, and, uh, okay. I, I give her some, some money as well, because we just stole a whole bunch of jewels, I think we're gonna be okay, so I just give her the money that I have. And sort of instruct her to be like, you know, help your fellow folks if they need some. Okay, I, w- I want to turn to Frankie Fourfingers. Be like, Frankie, I'm sorry about what happened to Krogash. I, I wish we could have helped him. Uh, Frankie's been smoking a cigar, like, down... He, it, he, started, he started your boat ride with, like, a full cigar. Now it's, like, a third. Like, he's really plowed through this cigar. He's like, eh, don't worry about it, kid. It just means I don't have to pay him. Oh, that's a that's an interesting take on how that went down. Well, uh, uh, thank you so much for everything you did for us. <laughs> hey, of course. Besides, you guys were a perfect distraction. I got news just now that uh, my follow-up guy, he got the item I wanted. So you guys worked out great for me. Oh, okay. Uh, glad everything worked out Did we out know for about it, the follow-up um, guy? No, no, you do not, because he he did not tell yeah, you. I I figured, and I figured, and you can see bottles kind of looking over at you, and he gives like an apologetic shrug, like, eh, sorry, just eh, yeah, nothing personal. Now I want to turn to Hattie Anderson. Oh God, oh God, <laughs> like, Hattie, I'm never gonna forget you. And I want you to have this as something to remember me by. And I'm going to give her my battle axe. God damn it! <laughs> <laughs> you dumb motherfucker. Piece of- I love you. I love yes. this dumb idiot. Yeah. Uh, she smiles and uh, takes the axe and says, This was a very memorable gift. Thank you, Herman. And poli- politely bows to you. And I, I bow back to her. Merriman is going to go back as well, which which makes sense. And you gave the, the potions to Hattie, so she's got those in hand. And she tells you that she'll make sure that the doctor gets them. From the sound of the, or from the direction of the submarine, rather, you hear the sound of raised voices. And then a metal gangplank, which is kind of attached to the side, bolted to the side of the submarine, comes down and makes a bridge between your boat and the submarine. And Frankie turns to you and says, All right, this will be the last thing I say to you, unless I see you again. Which, given your reputation at this point, I don't know that I will see you again in, well, in one piece. This submarine is is called the Pride of Nehekor, and the captain is Captain Michelle. (laughs) Such a fantasy name and such a normal name at the same time. (laughs) getting dune up in here and he lowers his voice here he's like now by and large you should be careful because the bulk of the crew do not know that you are from bastalone they think you are refugees from ransheim specifically 
As much as you can, it would probably be best if you don't mention where you're from. They have a lot of bad memories of, uh, of the previous wars, and, uh, well, this, this voyage isn't exactly above board. So, and with that, he gives you a smile, uh, claps Herman on the back, and says, have a great trip. Is there, um, do we have, like, a recognizable Bastillon accent? <laughs> sort of. You're from North Bastillon, which has, it's sort of like, like the Pacific Northwest accent. Like, you're more recognizable because you don't have one. This is a great opportunity. What accent do they have in Ransheim? And then we have to try no. and impersonate whatever accent no. you give us. Oh, so Ransheim, well, I'm, I'm glad you asked. Um, Ransheim has no accent. Oh, God. Well, it does, but now I'm now I'm scared to say. It's French. It's not fr- No, it's not French. That's one of the few accents that I can't do convincingly. Oh, so of course. <laughs> Welcome aboard the baguette. It would be sort of like a medieval German, Polish, Prussian... Russian Well, I accent. definitely can't do that. You, 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 you <laughs> haven't tried. I don't even know what that would sound like. Just do a German accent and make it sound Catholic. I don't know. <laughs> I will try to talk less than most people. <laughs> talk less, smile more. Don't yep. worry about it. I'll do a Hamilton situation. It's about to get weird. Great. I, I also say goodbye to Hattie and tell her, like... Uh, that I trust her to make sure that these people end up on the correct road home. She pats you on the head and reassures you that she'll make sure that they're safe. That thank thank you. Uh, um, I give her a pat on the like hand because that's what I can reach. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then I go on the ship. Assuming that none of you, none of the rest of you are doing anything on the boat um you can cross over to the ship or to the submarine rather when you cross onto the submarine proper you look up and you see that there is a lizard folk uh styled like an iguana who is wearing a sort of a terracotta brown uniform with the nehekor flag on its sleeve and this lizard folk is wearing kind of a a military-styled cap uh, with a little winged icon on it. And this lizard calls down to you, Welcome aboard. I am Captain Michel, and gives you a little wave. Oh, hello, uh, Captain Michel. Th- thank you for <laughs> letting us on your submarine. <laughs> oh, boy. Um... Oh, God, no, why? <laughs> she gives you kind of a quizzical look and then uh, kind of helps you all climb up into the conning tower. Hey, Herman, maybe it's best that you don't really do a lot of talking uh, while we're on boat. What do you mean? My accent is so good. Uh, <laughs> I mean, mine's not good a lot, and I'm saying yours is pretty bad, so... <laughs> <laughs> You're just two wild and crazy guys. Two wild and crazy Thank you, Terrible, for your con- constructive criticism. It's perfect. <laughs> tries a little bit. <laughs> so the captain, or presumably the captain, gestures to an open hatch, and you can climb down a ladder into the depths of this submarine. Arriving in the submarine proper, uh, you appear to be in the navigation slash bridge area. You see the helm 
there's a Triton seated at the helm, currently not doing anything, uh, just kind of waiting for the submarine to be sealed again. Another thing that you notice is that immediately to your left, like on the left-hand wall of this submarine, there is a tube of water, probably four, four feet wide, like a pretty large tube of water that runs the entire length of this submarine. I mean, I guess none of you would have seen or interacted with a submarine before. But if you had, this would be out of the ordinary. You also can see another member of the crew, a grung. I forget what the actual term is. It's not like, it's a non-official D&D race, but essentially it's a tree, or a, not a tree, a tree yeah, frog, like frog uh, themed. People. Frog people. Yeah. yeah. If, you, if you lick them, you can get high. <laughs> right. There is a grung who is currently looking through a periscope. I should also mention all of these, all of the crew members that you see have, are wearing this brown uniform with the Kebrin flag. And you hear the sound of water kind of sloshing. And then inside of this, this tube, uh, you see a Lokatha appear. And a Lokatha, uh, similar to, to the Grung, is a fish race playable in D&D. Uh, sort of modeled on a catfish. Um, it's got the two little, like, whiskers coming out. Um, I think they're partially amphibious, so I think they have to spend part of the day using their left hand. <laughs> they have to submerge for at least nice. part of the day. Thank you. Thank you. And this Lokatha kind of looks at you, and as much as a fish can look malevolent, it looks pretty malevolent just looking at you. I would say out of the different types of fish that there are, catfish probably are some of the most malevolent looking. Like, it's a pretty good, pretty good call. They kind of look like they have angry eyebrows. Yeah, they do. They look mad. Indeed. At least it's not a blobfish. It would just look sad. It would look sad. Blobfish actually look totally different when they're in the water than they do on land. But that's a whole thing. Hmm. They um, live in the very deep ocean and they look like normal fish in the deep ocean. But then when they come up out of the pressure, it makes them all blobby looking. Oh, weird. That's my fish fact for the day. That's your fish fact. The more you know. That's your fish fact for today. At the bottom of the ladder, uh, you are greeted by a kobold who also wearing the the uniform, but he has a little uh, like a like a chevron on his sleeve. So like he's he has some sort of rank in this submarine and he looks up at you and is like, hello and welcome to the Nehiko. My name is Arno, and I'll be your guide while you're here. Is he Australian or French or? He is neither. He is Kebrin. All right. He is Kebrin. We will try our hardest to stay out of your way. Well, uh, you're not too tall of a person. I would worry more about uh, the guy over there. And he points to uh, Herman. Herman goes to say something, but then he remembers what Treble said, and he just <laughs> bows his head a little bit. <laughs> After a moment, you can hear the sound of, like, 
uh, a metal valve turning, and you realize that it's the captain uh, sealing the the hatch at the top. And they do that cool thing on ladders where they like move their feet and just slide all the way down instead of climbing down each rung. So badass. Landing nimbly. So uh, Michelle uh, lands with with Grace. Clearly, she's made thousands of voyages and is very familiar with a submarine. She kind of gives you the up and down. It's like, well, I don't normally take passengers, but uh, Frankie agreed to look the other way for a, a gambling debt, so I guess you're with me now. There are some rules that I expect you to follow while you're here, and of course, uh, I don't know if Frankie mentioned this, but there is a small price you have to pay as well. In the event that our ship is attacked, I've been given to understand that you all have killed some people, or are at least partially handy in a fight. (laughs) I've heard you guys have murdered some people, so if we get attacked, you better fucking murder some more. We are versed in the murdering of people, yes. Well, that's terrific. Most of this crew is well-versed in murdering people. Secondarily, I've been given to understand that one of you is a a handy person. And that Herman just raises his hand. (laughs) Oh, wonderful. (laughs) At some juncture, we may have you take a look at the engines. It's running a a little sloppy of late. Herman nods his head. Wonderful. Terrific. I will try and get accommodations sorted away. If you need anything on deck, you can talk to my bosun, Mr. Arno. And she points to uh, the kobold that greeted you. Until that time, uh, and she hands you uh, a little, like, laminated card. And this card uh, has the layout of the submarine uh, labeled in very, in, like, these black blocky letters. So it's very easy to read. So... Uh, you can see the following rooms labeled. Uh, bridge, which contains the the controls for steering, submerging, and the periscope. Uh, you also see the map room, which is immediately adjacent to the bridge and uh, contains all maps, charts, and signal books. Um, there are two different rooms on each end of the submarine labeled Torpedo Room, which does exactly what it says on the tin. (laughs) There is the mess, which is where you would go to eat. Um, there is the observation room, which is, uh... So this submarine is not the largest. I mean, you wouldn't know this. It's not the largest submarine, but it's not the smallest. So there is a total of three decks. And kind of in the middle deck, there at the front of the submarine and above the torpedo room, is a room with a, uh, a glass observation window, which is normally sealed while it's moving. But when you're stationary, this window is open so that you can kind of look out at at the ocean and then uh there's a complicated (laughs) so this tube of water that you could only see part of actually goes around the entirety of the submarine and into every compartment and it is for the locatha members of the crew so that they don't have to worry about suffocating um and then uh there is a room that's labeled uh, barracks, but 
uh, Arno explains to you that actually hammocks are hung wherever there's space throughout the submarine because it's pretty cramped. If you do decide that you want to sleep, which I imagine you would for at least part of this voyage. Um, no, we're just going to stay up for six to seven days straight. <laughs> I see no, no way in which that backfires. But you will roll a d20 and I will tell you where in the ship you, you specifically are able to find a berth. <laughs> Fun. So that is what you're given. I hope I get to sleep in a torpedo tube. <laughs> actually i kind of i kind of hope for that too i didn't even think about that as a possibility but that's how they that's how they get you outside the submarine to do maintenance is they put you in the tube and shoot you out <laughs> so that is where you're at also uh per frankie's requests you have been given and you can sleep in here if you want to or you can take your chances with rolling on finding bunk space uh, you are given a little bit of a storeroom to put your stuff. So you can choose to sleep in there if you want to. It's got like machine parts in it, a couple drums of oil. So what do you guys want to do? Um, I will just, it, it, once we're in that storeroom, I'll be like, uh, uh, could could we just have a moment um, to ourselves in, in, in here, um, Captain? Uh, uh, we would greatly appreciate it of course take all the time you need uh she turns away and then she turns back to you and drops her voice be very careful around my executive officer uh you may have seen him already but there is uh mr giedi the locatha he uh currently is the only locatha crew member aboard here and uh he doesn't take kindly to strangers be careful of him Cool, fun, cool, she fun nods. information. This seems like a great place to be. Don't fuck with the fish guy. Got it. No, no shape of water happening on this trip. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> but once they leave, um, I'm gonna pull my that spear that I took off my back and shove it in Herman's hands and be like, "You have to have something to def- defend yourself." G- gave away. The, the axe, but just, I, I know that you don't want to fight, but there is someone inside you that does and is very helpful in these types of situations. So please stop giving your weapons away or dropping them and just use this. That's a pretty cool spirit, too. It's a pretty Roman, cool so, speech I mean, to be like... It's like a win-win. I know you don't want to fight, but somebody inside you does. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is true. It's pretty great. Thank you, Kitty. I'll, I'll I'll try not to use it, but I, I appreciate that. And I take the spear. Your friend Vincent will probably use it, so just leave it on your person. For the record, Vincent's not my friend. Well, <laughs> he's our friend. <laughs> well, so. maybe, maybe you should consider becoming friends with Vincent. You know, it, it, Vincent's a part of you, and uh, it, it, it could be good to uh, come to an understanding. No, Vincent's the reason I had to leave my home. Yeah, but maybe he was, you know, protecting <laughs> you or something. It, Vincent's like a kid, you know? He, he's been around for not the entirety of your life, has he? I, 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 don't, I don't know when Vincent came. He just he just showed up one day, and he's made my life hell ever since. I, I don't, uh, don't want to uh, talk all about right. it. Okay. It's my, it's my tragic past. <laughs> I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh-huh. <laughs> 
Herman dramatically turns away. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Well, we all all have issues with our pasts, and we have issues in our presence right now, but just know that I want you to defend yourself because we keep getting in these situations that, well, they're fucked. So just, yeah. Also, uh... We should probably just go through these things. And she takes the bag of all of... She's got two bags, technically. She's got the satchel with the the dispatches from the city and the lists and all that stuff. And then she's got the bag of everything that wasn't a potion from the repository. And she's just going to kind of dump them in the middle of the floor so that we can, like, sift through it. Red raises his hand and goes, oh, uh, for, for the record, I, I ain't got any issues with my past... Um, but I do have issues with the present. <laughs> Just because Kitty said we all have issues with our past, he felt like he needed to clarify. Ah, <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Trouble's gonna, uh, finally take a look at the suit of armor that he grabbed. Okay. In an alternate universe, this was, uh, plate mail. Uh, is this also still plate mail? Is, is it plate mail in this universe, too? <laughs> I am going to kill my the version of me in that alternative universe, but yes, I, for in the interest of being fair, I will say yes, it is in fact plate mail. Well, I have no use for this. I turn and look at Herman. Hey, Herman, what size shirt are you? Triple XL. <laughs> I'm going to check the tag of the armor to see what size the armor is. <laughs> If it's magic, it's anybody's size. Why don't you uh, put this on, Herman, and protect yourself a little bit more? Um, I mean, it doesn't really. Plus, it looks really cool. It changes colors and everything. You see this? Like, <laughs> you, you see this? He you... shakes it, and it goes from like yellow to black to red to green to blue every time he shakes it. I mean, it's not this pretty cool. It's very shiny. <laughs> All right, Herman. Herman tries to put it on. I don't know if he succeeds. <laughs> sure, why not? Yeah, no. Uh, sure, it, it, why not? That's the DM I, I made I made it an hour in without without just succumbing to to the ravages of, <laughs> of what you all do to me. So no, I, I, I kid. It, it fits. It's a little. It might be a little tight in places, but it it's the sort of thing where it feels like it would adjust and be comfortable more comfortable to you the longer you wear it. It's a little tight in the groin area. That's what I was going to say. Is his dick squished? His dick squished, right? <laughs> it might... It, it, you might be a little less mobile down there than than perhaps is comfortable. Yeah. I, I turn to trouble. I'm like, are you sure this isn't girl armor? Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you did that with the armor. Kitty, what are you going to look at first? Uh, I'm just... I'm sifting the... The papers are something I'm probably going to just, like, invest in just pouring through while we're underwater trapped in a submarine and can't get out, and that's not a problem at all. Um, it's not freaking me or Kitty out at all, just even thinking about it. Um, so she's just going to look through the rings and, and jewelry and th- just see if there's anything that seems magical or helpful in any way besides just being pretty jewels, since it was in a repository of magical items she's hoping there's something there's some magic to these things does anything cross kitty's mind about perhaps uh sharing some information with the rest of the party 
about some things that you saw that we did not see. Oh, yeah. No, she's... No, <laughs> yeah. you don't get to know that yet. She's just focused on this stuff. You'll you'll find out about Mabel later. Mostly because I Secret's forgot that die. you guys all don't know. So it's... I think she's just a little freaked out. But she will share that eventually. Kitty's going to be in our deathbed. By the way, I saw Mabel... <laughs> Oh, yeah, by the way. <laughs> not sure if this is re- important or not, but, uh, yeah. <laughs> Treble's going to do the same thing that Kitty... Kitty has a lot more, but he's just going to pull out his pockets and see the stuff out of his pockets and see what's in there as well. Okay, and you also grabbed, like, gems and rings and such? Yeah, anything small that could fit in my pocket. I mean, it didn't necessarily have to be gems and rings specifically. It was just kind of anything small that I could fit, like any little daggers, anything like that. Hi there. If you're listening to this spot, you might have never heard of Dice Carnival, but you're going to want to hear about this. Maybe you'll fall in love with Electroball, our musical steampunk audio adventure where a quirky cast of heroes must exhume a conspiracy after being framed for a famous murder. New upload every Tuesday. Or maybe you would fancy our whimsical Wild Beyond the Witchlight campaign that we record with our friends at the Homebrew D&D show. We've got plenty of episodes out now, so if you're looking for a compelling story that is guaranteed to intrigue, surprise, and make you laugh, look no further than to search Dice Carnival on your favorite podcasting feed. Hope to see you there. <laughs> Bye-bye! Kitty, I'll start with I'll start with yours. You were able to grab in in the bag a number of magical items. So let me tell you what all you found. Loot. It's all I want. I want the loot. All about that loot. All about that loot. About that loot. No treble. Oh, that's good. <laughs> I know. <laughs> treble pulls out his loot. <laughs> ah! oh, <laughs> okay, so you find, in no particular order, a file or canister of a thick black liquid, which, from a gameplay perspective, is the oil of slipperiness. If you apply it to a creature, they gain the effect of the freedom of movement spell for eight hours so unaffected by difficult terrain spells and other magical effects cannot reduce your speed and you can't be paralyzed or restrained nice and you can automatically escape from non-magical restraints or grapples and being underwater imposes no penalties on your movement or attacks. Um, you also find, again for gameplay purposes, uh, the Ring of Swimming, which increases your swim speed to 40 feet while wearing this item. You also find a glass jar of a kind of sky blue viscous liquid, which is a restorative ointment. You can either consume it or apply it to your skin. The creature that receives it will regain 2d8 plus 2 hit points, is cured of any disease, and ceases to be poisoned. We got some good goop. Um, I'm also going to give you the stat block for your grappling hook here. The grappling hook itself has a 60-foot length of rope. It weighs a total of three pounds. Well, fuck the weight. Um, That doesn't really... We we aren't using carry weight here because... Yeah, that's too you're much. A good DM. Ex- oh, thank you. Yes. Um, well, yes, yes, I am. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, however, it can hold up to three thousand pounds. 
and you can use an action to speak a command word and the rope will operate on its own. So you can order the rope to move towards a destination you choose if you want. So if you throw the rope, let's say for example, and then it doesn't quite land where you want it, you can then order it to move where you want it. Um, the you can- ledge, please, go to the ledge. <laughs> No, the other, the other nope, ledge. No, higher, higher. There, you got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. To your left. No, your other left. Your other, other left, yeah. <laughs> you can also tell the rope to fasten itself securely to an object or unfasten itself. It is also a self-coiling rope so that you don't have to do it. Uh, it'll do it on its own if you tell it to. Additionally, uh, you can tell the rope to knot itself. So, like, at one foot intervals, knots will appear to aid in climbing. Since the rope is basically alive, can we treat it like a pet? Can we call it Rupert Murdoch? <laughs> well, you could, you I suppose. I'm not. Should you? <laughs> should you? Um, I should also give the stat block for the uh, the spear. Um, for whoever uses it, I just want to. Oh yeah, I, I have the spear. You have the spear. Okay. Well, this is going to be fun for you. So when thrown and when you speak the command word, which is whatever word you want it to be, uh, the spear will transform into a bolt of lightning. Ooh. Forming a line five feet wide, uh, extending out from you for a distance of 120 feet. It will turn back into a javelin when it reaches the target. And then you also get, uh, Kitty, one of the things that you pull is a small gray bag, which you, being an inquisitive rogue, would recognize as the Bag of Tricks. And for, for our viewer or listeners who may not be familiar with the Bag of Tricks, it is an ordinary bag made from gray, brown, or tan cloth. Uh, reaching inside will reveal the presence of a small fuzzy object. Essentially, you get to pull a random animal out of a bag <laughs> and then throw it at people. Uh, so, Kitty, you got the gray bag of tricks, which is uh, actually probably the best bag of tricks, or one of them. Uh, you can choose from weasel, giant rat, badger, boar, panther, giant badger, dire wolf, or giant elk. Fuck, okay. I guess that's the second best one. Oh, damn. And you can pull out of it three times a day? Indeed. Fuck. Dang. Wait, so that's starting Panther, a, you get Panther, to Panther. choose what animal it is, or do you roll? No, you have to you roll a okay, D8 each time you, you want to. You roll yeah. and you get yeah, one of those. Are those... Are those, Kitty's gonna... are those creatures friendly to her, or are yes. they... It is friendly to you and your companions. And it makes an action whenever it's your turn. So it doesn't get a separate initiative. Um, as a bonus action, you can command how the creature moves and what action it takes. The last thing that you get is the Ring of Jumping. While wearing the ring and while attuned to it, you can cast the jump spell as a bonus action at will. But you can only target yourself while doing it. So, so that is what you find. Um, you are also, like... In terms of non-magical items, you are able to find quite a lot of gems. If the people on Pawn Stars were to look at how much gems you have, <laughs> they would maybe value it around 650 gold worth of gems. 
Okay, okay, okay. But the best that they can do is 350. I was waiting on something for Herman. What was I doing? Um, Looking up his armor. Well, no, the armor is just like the standard plate armor stat block. It just changed colors. It j- well, okay. it, it changes colors, but you don't know why it changes colors. There yet. are some okay. mysteries so, to this okay. armor that are yet to be uncovered. Indeed. It's mood armor. Really hot right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's a mood ring yeah. <laughs> by the way I'm not uh, proficient in heavy armor so now I have disadvantage on a bunch of stuff oh no but it's gonna make <laughs> it it's, it's, so. it's only why you wear it though like if you if you get to the point where you're frustrated by it and you're like ah I got enough Wait, and just throw it somewhere bar- barbarians aren't proficient in heavy armor I think only paladins are apparently not well, are you but a Goli- oh, Goliath? No, because barbarians get a bonus for unarmored. Uh, uh, their AC gets a bonus if they fight without armor, like similar to that monk bonus for fighting without armor. Oh yeah, yeah. I figure it's good for storytelling. I'm not good with it now. I'll just try and work my way into it and get some ability that makes me so I can wear armor. Okay, this is gonna make <laughs> I love it. Happen. I love it. Yeah, I guess you wouldn't be used to wearing armor anyway, so you're like yeah. clunking around. Nate yeah. is the perfect D&D player, which is the type that is willing to do things that are completely not good mechanically <laughs> for the sake of the story. 100%. I appreciate that. Those are the items that you found, and I told you how much gold that was worth. Treble, you grabbed some things as well, correct? Correct. So let's talk about what you found. So you found <laughs> a different bag of tricks. <laughs> so you found the brown slashed rust colored bag of tricks. And it functions, you, you you can pull three objects from it and then you can't use it again until the next day. Um, the animals that you have access to are the rat, the owl, a mastiff, a goat, a giant goat, a giant boar, a lion, and a brown bear. Yes. So when we retire, we're, we're, we're starting a zoo um, where the animals <laughs> are only there for a day at a time. You you bought a, a zoo. <laughs> are the animals from this actually, bag actually in your... after like a certain amount of hours? Or are they just like... Yeah, the next day. Okay, they the disappear the next, the next, the next day, okay. yeah. Okay, so Jordan, you found that. You found a kind of a a small canvas bag or packet uh, which contains a fine uh, gray dust and it is the dust of dryness. Basically you put a little bit of dust into water and it will suck up all the water in a 15 foot like sphere around this dust and become a pellet. You can then use your action to smash the pellet, causing it to shatter and release all the water that was absorbed. Cool. An elemental composed mostly of water that is exposed to this dust must make a con save or take 10d6 necrotic damage. So I guess it's an anti, anti-water anti elemental sort of thing. Or if we want to fuck with that fish guy if he's... Oh yeah, that too. That too. Um, so you found that. Um, oh, actually, I'm going to go ahead and give you guys that item now because I should have had you do it when you immediately got on the ship. Um, the captain and the f- and the bosun, uh, the kobold, uh, 
also each issued you all uh, a cloak of the manta ray, which is it allows the wearer to breathe underwater. <gasps> Fucking love so it. each of you love gets that, so much. and specifically they everyone on the ship has one, even the people who can breathe underwater normally, and they oh, use it almost in. You can swim fast, um, but they use it for, like, overhauling the submarine or making repairs outside. Okay. Yeah, but now we all look really cool. You do all look we really look cool. so bitchin'. Okay, but that wasn't all that you found. But wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Um, you found... A Nissan Altima. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him what he's won, Johnny. <laughs> A used. A used Volvo. <laughs> no. Uh, you found a carved ram's horn, um, which in this instance is the horn of blasting. Uh, when you blow this horn, you turn into Danny DeVito and you immediately start blasting. No. <laughs> when you... Uh, every creature within a 30-foot cone in front of you uh has to make a dc saving throw and succeed on a 15 and if they fail they take 5d6 thunder damage and they're deafened on a successful save a creature takes half that that much damage and isn't deafened uh creatures and objects made of glass or crystal have disadvantage and take 10d6 thunder damage instead of 5d6 um, I'm also going to make a homebrew ruling. Uh, creatures that are also made of porcelain or ceramic will also suffer that disadvantage. AKA, I'm going to throw creatures that are made out of porcelain and ceramic at you bitches. Beware! We're going to go to war with a pottery barn. <laughs> <laughs> That's, that's one of the best that's jokes the best I've joke heard in, in recent. Episode. That was fucking fantastic. I, here's the, here's the catch though. Each use of the horn's magic has a twenty percent chance of causing the horn to explode. For, oh shit! So here's how that's gonna work. For the first use, you don't have that percentage chance. For every use after that, you're gonna have that chance. So how you'll roll a d10, and based off of that. Uh, if you get like a one or that'll a two. determine correct if you get a one or a two it'll it'll explode the explosion will deal 10d6 fire damage to the oh. person blowing the horn and it will destroy the horn yikes just like all the sex workers always say to me the first blow is free cut oh, that God. out of the podcast that's horrible <laughs> you did the best joke and then you did the worst joke <laughs> Um, okay, so the next thing you find is a necklace of prayer beads. And this, unfortunately, you can't really use it right away until you find a cleric, druid, or paladin because it requires attunement. Go ahead, Jordan, and roll a d20. And this is going to determine what sort of prayer beads you found. Fifteen. Fifteen. Okay. You can cast Greater Restoration. Oh, sweet. So uh, I'm going to let you look up what all that... No, I can actually just say it. So it's instantaneous. Uh, You imbue a creature you touch with positive energy to undo a debilitating effect. So that can include reducing a target's exhaustion level by one or ending one of the following effects. Uh, Charmed or petrified. 
uh, a curse. Any current debuff or reduction to any one of the target's ability scores. And any effects that reduce the target's uh, hit point maximum. It's a good fucking spell. It's a good spell. So it's a cleanse, essentially. Yeah. And This is a juice cleanse. A juice, a juice cleanse, which, which should be great for Herman, actually. He's all about that juice cleanse. So you found that. You found your prayer beads. And then the last thing you found is a carved, like iron or maybe tungsten you can't really tell like a dark silvery gray ring which is carved with ram's horns and this is the ring of the ram while wearing this ring you can use an action to expend one of those charges to attack one creature you you can see within 60 feet Uh, the ring will produce a spectral ram's head and it makes an attack roll with a plus seven bonus on a hit, depending on how many charges you spend, you can choose to do all of the charges or one or two, you know, whatever. The target will take 10 D, or no, whoops, two, two D10. Uh, <laughs> 10 D10. 10 no. D2. <laughs> D2s, yes, a coin. <laughs> um, the target will take 2 D10 force damage and be pushed 10 feet away from you. So if you choose to expend every charge, that's 60, 10 force damage. Alternatively, you can choose to expend one of these charges as an action to try and break an object you see within 60 feet of you. Trouble immediately puts that on. That's his. He doesn't care. The last thing you find is a little off-putting. You pull out a carved wand maybe made out of like a willow or maybe even bamboo it's kind of hard to tell and it's just slimy but it's like a wand looking thing it's got a couple of carved almost octopus tentacles extending out of the top and it just feels rubbery and this is the tentacle rod i tried to find items that i'd never heard of before for this so (laughs) Each tentacle. Oh, so while holding the rod, you can use an action to direct each tentacle to attack a creature you can see within fifteen oh feet of you. So each tentacle makes a melee attack roll with a plus nine to hit. On a hit, the tentacle deals one d six bludgeoning. If you hit a target with all three tentacles, it has to make a DC con save, DC fifteen. Uh, on a failure, the creature's speed is halved. It has a, a disadvantage on dexterity saves and it can't use reactions for one minute um and then you would also have found some items some gems slash gold worth money so you would also have found about 650 cool i'm going to give the rod to red oh okay i was gonna say that red was interested in the the prayer beads because he's uh Oh, yeah, I was going to give you those, too. Yeah, uh, I have no use for prayer in my life, so you can go it, ahead Red and have just, these. Red um, just healed, like, you and wanted to heal the other, like, captured people in the last uh, episode, so he's just interested in the healing item. But he'll take the tentacles, too, if you if you want. Yeah, I don't want that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll give a healing item to the one character who seems to have empathy for <laughs> Thank, the dying. Thanks, man. I, I appreciate it. <laughs> Oh, I remember what I was going to say way back when. Uh, Treble, you also get a small uh, little cracked um, silver hand mirror that simply has carved on the back property of Ted. Oh. Nice. 
Who's Ted? Craft mirror that says property of Ted. Wait, is this a listener item? Well, wait, they didn't actually name it, did they? No, they did not. Great, it's property of Ted. But somebody submitted this mirror that is property of Ted. Correct. Cool. Thank you, Ted, or whatever name this person is. I was going to say, you're funny if their name's not their, actually Their Ted. name is definitely not Ted. But, <laughs> Even better. I like that. Listener, you know who you are, and you're Ted now. So that is, uh, that is your haul. A wide variety of wonders from the RMA. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Dial M for Magic. What? Are you talking to the people? Are you letting them know? Well, tell them. Okay, yes, I will include you in this week's credits. This week's cast was Runt the Cat as Bass, Jordan Fugit as Treble, Bobby K. Kuffner as Kitty Bradley, Nathan Pierce as Herman Cranberry, Dan Rogland as Red, and our dungeon master was Henry Rogland. Our artwork was done by Ashley Meisner Terran, and our intro and outro music was done by Alex Hills. Some exciting news, Spotify has just announced that they're doing a rating system, and so we'd love to hear from you all in the same way that we did with the Apple Podcasts. So if our Spotify listeners want to leave us a written review, we will go ahead and let you name a person, a place, or an item within our universe, anything you'd like. So it's fun times for Spotify listeners now, so we're super excited about that. From our cast to your home, we hope that you have a happy holiday season. And we look forward to seeing you on January 6th, after the new year. Had I the heavens embroidered cloths, and wrought with gold and silver light, the blue and the dim and the dark cloths, of night and light and the half-light, I would spread the clothes under your feet, but I, being poor, have only my dreams. I have spread my dreams under your feet. I have spread my dreams under your feet. Tread softly, because you tread on my dreams. And that was Aid Wishes for the Cloths of Heaven by W.B. Yeats. That was beautiful. That's a beautiful post-credits treat for everyone. (laughs) Nice. Oh, well, I'm going to do one more then, because that one's kind of short. The, you can use this um, one for the other session that is also happening today. <laughs> oh, yeah. We do yeah. have two episodes. So, yeah, that's good. What is the moral who rides may read when the night is thick and the tracks are blind? A friend at a pinch is a friend indeed, but a fool to wait for the laggard behind. Down to Gehenna or up to the throne, he travels the fastest who travels alone. White hands cling to the tightened rein, slipping the spur from the booted heel. Tenderest cr- voices cry, turn again. Red lips tarnish the scabbard steel. High hopes, faint on a warm hearthstone. He travels the fastest who travels alone. One may fall, but he falls by himself. Falls by himself with himself to blame. One may attain, and to him is pelf. Loot of the city in gold or fame. Plunder of earth shall be his own, Who travels the fastest and travels alone. Wherefore the more ye be helpin' and stayed, 
stayed by a friend in the hour of toil. Sing the heretical song I have made, his by the labor and yours by the spoil. Win by his aid and the aid disown, he travels the fastest who travels alone. That was Rudyard Kipling's The Winners. Hmm. It's beautiful. Beautiful. And way less uh, coloni- or, uh, colonist uh, propaganda. Yeah, than, than your typical Rudyard Kipling. <laughs> Indeed. That's, that's why I didn't recite all of The Road to Mandalay, because it does not... It has not aged well in the slightest. But these are poems that you, like, learned in school, right? Some of them. Some of them I just memorized on my own. Are these all from memory? You're not reading these? I've read a couple of them, but most of them are from memory. I couldn't remember the third stanza of The Winners, so I did have to read that one off. It's beautiful. Yeah, and the Shell Silverstein, man, that that shit just rolls. I've got that. That It's all up here. It's a bedtime story. That's what I need. Oh god, Shell Silverstein (laughs) for bedtime. Wonderful. (laughs) 